Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We taped Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. Our guest today is Bailey Bobbitt. A Lafayette native, Bailey was a founding member of American Petrolog in 2015 and currently serves as vice president of the company. American Petrolog's focus of providing safe transportation and world-class customer service has made the company an industry-recognized leading provider of logistics services to the chemical industry. Bailey was also a professional boxer known as Bang Bang from 2009 to 2013 with nine wins, two losses, and five knockouts. He trained under the tutelage of Chad Broussard. When I met Bailey recently, we first discussed the incredible success of American Petrolog. Then when I found out he'd been a professional boxer, I knew this would be a great interview to share with our listeners. Bailey Bobbitt, welcome to Discover Lafayette. Thanks for having me, Jan. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah. And, uh, looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah. So we're in uh, Raider Studios. Jason Sikora is with us. We're in the Oil Center, and your office is actually right outside the Oil Center on Jamala. So um, we're going to get into your business, but I want you to tell us yeah. what led you to into the business world with your interesting background. Right. Well, going going back, I'm originally from Lafayette, Louisiana. I was born here in 1983. Uh, my dad was in the oil field. Um, my mom was the uh, vice principal at Edgar Martin. Mm-hmm. And when the oil field uh, took a turn for the worse in 1987, uh, by the time 1990 rolled around, my dad had to relocate to first to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And we lived in New Orleans for a year and then to Houston. Um, I ended up uh, I grew up in Houston. I graduated from Tomball High School um, in 2002. Um, and then I made it back to Lafayette to play football at UL. What position did you I play? I was a kicker and a punter. Oh. Uh, it was the first year of Ricky Bustle's tenure at mm-hmm. UL. So things looked a lot different than they do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did not have an indoor practice field. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, uh, we, we had... Uh, outdoor practice field. The grass didn't always look too good. It was Mm -hmm. really muddy all the time. Our uh, weight room was probably about the size of this room right now, (laughs) like a closet. It's not very Um, big. You know, so things look a lot different over there on, uh, at the, at the complex. And, and and so that's, that's really proud to go back and and see that. Um, And I I played uh, for UL, for Ricky Bustle for a couple of years, and I ended up transferring to Sam Houston State which is in Huntsville, Texas, uh, which is the uh, site of Texas's largest uh, prison uh, mm-hmm. where they have death row. Um, and back then, there really wasn't much in the town. There was There's the college and the prison, and there's not a whole lot going on on the weekends, <laughs> right? So I was there I was there for two years. and I, Doing I, the same thing? Doing kicking. the same thing, playing football and going to school. But uh, I had already got a taste of the Lafayette nightlife. And uh, I wanted to get back as fast as I mm-hmm. could, and not end up in the prison, and not end yeah. up in the prison, and so and so things in in uh, Huntsville have changed a lot because you have the Woodlands, Texas, which is about thirty minutes south at the time of Huntsville. All that 
is growing out towards Huntsville now. So there's a lot more going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the the university over there in, at Sam Houston is is growing tremendously. They're going to uh, Division One athletics uh, next year, I believe. So things mm-hmm. have changed over there as well a lot since I went. Um, I have a question about the kicking. Did you play soccer when you I were younger? I played soccer all growing up. Uh-huh. Um, is that typical for a punter to be a soccer player? It is, but now people are starting to specialize because they see you can get a full ride scholarship to mm-hmm. college by just kicking a football. That's a great right? gig so too. You're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to school, and you can do it for free. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, you know I, I played all all positions on the football field in high school, but I I realized that I was going to be too small. Uh, to play Division One, which I wanted to do. That was my dream growing up. Uh, so I said, well, I need to concentrate on kicking and punting mm-hmm. if I want to get a Division One scholarship, mm-hmm. right? Um, Is there a secret to getting it through the upright? Uh, you, it's really, it's more mental than mm-hmm. physical, right? So it's all, it's all, it's probably 90% mental. So if you go out there and you're thinking that you're going to miss it, you're definitely going to miss it. But if you have confidence and you go out there and you know you're going to make it, you're confident in your holder, in the snapper, and the guys protecting you, um, you'll put it through, you know, 95% of the time. You think you that's know? true about life? It's 100% true about mm-hmm. life. It's true about business. It's true about boxing. Um, so I learned I learned a lot in college, uh, kicking and punting. Um and a lot of the uh, the physical attributes and the uh, mentality that you can develop playing college football because it it is, it is hard. So everybody out there that hasn't played college football, you have to wake up at four thirty five o'clock every morning. You have to go to lift weights. Mm-hmm. Then you have to get done lifting weights, eat breakfast. Then you have to go to class all day. Then you have to come back and run, do some kind of conditioning. Maybe you lift weights again and then go to practice, go to study hall till 9, 10 o'clock at night, and then go to bed and do it all over again yeah. uh, the next day. So without that experience, I don't know if I could ever, you know, box professionally because mm-hmm. it was it was a similar uh, setup as far as time constraints go. I had to wake up 4.30. I had to go run. to go run four or five miles every morning. Then I had to go to work from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. And then when I got off work at 4 p.m., I headed straight over to Red Rails Health Club mm-hmm. uh, to train with Chad from, you know, 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock at night. Wow. Um, so that's a long day. What, um, what got you into boxing? Was that something you'd played around with when you were in college? So I've always been really, really interested in competing. Um, and so— Competing on the football field, mm-hmm. on the on the soccer field, uh, in the gym, playing basketball, whatever it was. But I saw Chad, um, Mason Menard, uh, Jared LeBlanc training at Reds. When I would walk by, I'm just lifting weights mm-hmm. at this point. I'm I'm finished with football. I'm playing semi professionally, um, and I would walk by every day and seeing them training. And I grew up watching Rocky movies, oh, right? Oh, gosh, it's so inspiring. They yeah. would come on TBS, and every July 4th, you know, it'd be a Rocky marathon. Mm-hmm. Is there a favorite one? You Rocky like the first 3. One? Rocky 3. Rocky 3 okay. with Mr. T, right? Okay. <laughs> so, and, and, and <laughs> he's kind of, uh, he's Mr. lost T. the eye of the tiger, yeah, right? And right. Mick's got to convince him to go back. They got to go back, you know, to mm-hmm. uh, Apollo's gym. And, and Rocky's got to find the eye of the tiger and then come back and beat Mr. T after he all, or already lost to him. Oh. 
So that's that's my favorite one. The training scenes are the best, but you know, seeing Chad and the guys in there, watching Rocky all growing up, I was like, man, wouldn't that be really cool just to go in there and learn? But would never, I never had the intent to get into the ring and actually compete until later on when Chad came to my work and said, you're fighting on the card in February. And this is like October and November at this point. And I'm like, Chad, get serious, man. Like, I, I can't turn professional. I, I don't have mm -hmm. any amateur fights. He's like, no, you're on the card. Like, you're going to fight so-and-so. I was like, wow, that's that's crazy, but I'm in. Mm -hmm. Let's Were you do worried it. about being hurt? No, because at, at the time I was 23 years old. Oh, you weren't worried about and much. So you're in your, your early 20s. You're not worried about getting hurt, you know? So I was like, yeah, let's let's do it. You know, you know, I'm asking because, like, if I bump my head on a cabinet or something, I want to cry. Yeah. And I think about boxing. Yeah. It's so physical. So so right now I'm 39, and I look back on that whole time period, and you're like, wow, that was, like, really crazy <laughs> that I did that, right? <laughs> you know, you're thinking with a different you mindset. You great. You're not beat up. Then, then yeah. No, no, I'm fine. Uh, I've had three retina surgeries on my right eye. Oh. Um, and I had my nose reconstructed in 2018 because I couldn't breathe out of it anymore. Um, Can you see all right? So-so. Uh, I have contacts mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Before, I didn't need contacts, but you kind of lose some of your eyesight well, you do, when they way. do that surgery, right? Yeah. So, um, But thankfully, I can still see. Mm -hmm. um, wow. So, so yeah, did, w was I scared of getting hurt at 23 years old? No. no it, didn't, it didn't really cross my mind um, whenever— I would leave my house to go to the arena to have have the fight. Um, I would make sure my house was clean and my bed was made just in case something happened. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't concerned about it at all. Yeah. You know. So, How did the first fight go? I won by knockout in 27 seconds. He did? Yeah. So <laughs> So he knew what he was doing, putting you on that card. Yeah, and, and at the time I, I only I started boxing, it was it was July of 2009. I had my first lesson with Chad. And I turned professional in February of 2010. So I hadn't even been boxing a full calendar year yet. Mm -hmm. And I turned professional. And so a lot of people thought I was crazy, of course, but I, I, didn't, I didn't care. How did you come up with the name Bang Bang? I, I didn't come up with it. Chad came up with it. I just came to the gym one day, and I had been bothering him. At this point, I was like maybe 3-0 or 4-0 with three knockouts. And... I'm like, dude, when do I get a nickname? Everybody has a nickname. When do I get well, a nickname? Well, Bailey Bobbitt's not bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was I was I was good just being able to fight, but I was like, dude, I need a nickname, mm -hmm. you know? Just kind of messing with him. And he came to the gym one day and called me Bang Bang. And it just kind of <laughs> stuck. Um, and then from then on, I was I was Bang Bang Bobbitt. As a so. mom, I need to ask this. What did your mom and dad think? Like, were they back here? Had they moved back to Lafayette? Uh, they yeah, were my, still mom, my mom has a couple of houses in, in Brobridge, and, and, and she was back. She also has a house uh, at the time. She had in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, Tucson, Arizona. So she kind of splits time between mm -hmm. both. But my mom would never come to the matches. I got yeah. um, I wouldn't want to see know, that. And, and, and that's fine. Um, it's just so she wouldn't freak out. She would, yeah. yeah she, she, she was waiting by the out. phone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get updates. My aunt, uh, Katie, used to come to the matches, and she came to every one, and she would give my mom uh, an update on, you know, what happened. Mm -hmm. He won. He won by knockout. This happened. You know, he, he might be hurt or this or that. But uh, my dad came to all the fights. He wasn't 
especially at first, he wasn't the biggest fan of me doing it. But over time, he saw how much time I was putting into it, mm -hmm. um, the commitment I had. He saw how serious I was about it. Um, and he, he became a fan, you know, mm -hmm. over, over time, yeah. you know. So he so. lasted four years. I mean, I know you, were, you had a day job. You don't make a living as a— can you make a living as a professional boxer? You can, but it, it takes time. Uh, you, you know, you got to probably rattle off 15, 20 wins. And you stayed um, in this area? I stayed in—we we fought at all the casinos around here. Yeah. We fought at the uh, the Hilton uh, mm -hmm. over there on Pinhook. We fought at Evangeline Downs in uh, Opelousas a lot. Um, we fought at the Rain Civic Center. We fought at the Bella Baton Rouge Casino in uh, Baton Rouge. Um, so we we fought all around, um, mm -hmm. and we were we were getting— I don't know the exact count, 5,000, 6,000 people at our shows. You get a cut of that or just a uh, pay, like for who wins? You, you, get a, you get a flat pay, so you uh -huh. get paid by the round, how many rounds you're going to fight, four rounds, six rounds, eight rounds, ten rounds. And wow. then because my trainer, Chad, was the promoter, you know, depending on how well the show did, of course, if it did really well, then he would, he would compensate us accordingly. Uh -huh. You know, so I was making between working my regular job in uh, logistics and boxing, I was I was doing well mm -hmm. for, a young my, man. My, for a young man in my 20, 20s, yeah. right? So, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun. 2013, though, did you just say, I've, I've survived, I'm good? My, my last fight um, was at the Bella Baton Rouge Casino. Um, and in the first round, I got hit with a right hand. I threw a jab, and he shot a right hand over my jab and hit me in the right eye. And at the time, sometimes you get, like, poked in the eye with the glove. And uh -huh. it makes your vision kind of blurry, but it eventually goes away, right? Because your eyes probably just scratch. But this time it didn't go away. And as the rounds went on, um, my vision was closing. It felt like a curtain was coming over my eyesight. Mm -hmm. Chad wanted to actually stop the fight. I said, don't stop it. Because I, I wanted to finish. Other than my eye, I was, because I, I couldn't see, I was taking a pretty good beating at that point. Yeah. But I wanted to, you know, you just want to finish the fight. Um, finished the fight, you know, I still thought it was probably just a scratch, but over the next couple of days, um, my vision had pretty much closed hundred percent. And, uh, that next week I went to, um, the doctor and a uh, regular eye doctor, optometrist. And then he sent me immediately to a KDN, a retina specialist to, uh, Dr. Gotro mm -hmm. and Dr. Gotro. I went immediately into surgery at Lafayette General at the surgery center right down the street. And uh, just so happens, Dr. Gotro is actually world-renowned retina specialist. Okay. So I've been told since that happened that I was, I was lucky, lucky that I came across Dr. Gotro mm. and I was recommended to him and that he was able to put me right yeah. into surgery or else I could have lost my eye. God. Yeah. yeah so, so you hung up, bang, bang. I had to hang it up. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was one of the—before surgery, he was like, look, I'm going to move my whole schedule around and I'm going to do the surgery, but you have to promise me one thing. And I was like, "What's that?" And my wife's with me. <laughs> my wife's with me in the in the in the in the room at the time, and he says, "You have to stop boxing." And I said, "Well, I can't do that." So I get up to actually walk out of the oh, room no. because I'm like, "Well, I can't stop boxing. I'm gonna keep boxing. That's mm -hmm. not an option." But he's like, "No, you don't understand. Like, you're not gonna be able to see. You could lose your eye, and all those things." So. He, he left the room and had to think about it and was like, you know what? I don't think I really have a choice at this point, you know, so. Were you and Holly married or were you dating? No, we were still—we uh, weren't married yet at that point. What did um, she say about this? Did she say, look, listen to the doctor? 
Of course, of uh-huh. course. Yeah, she was like, you're done. That's you hard, know? though. Yeah, it's, it's real hard to come to terms with that, especially how it happened. You know, some people, it's like, oh, I didn't have a good showing in my last fight. I'm going to retire. You know, I've taken a lot of pounding over the years. I was still a fresh young man that thought that he still had his career in front of him. And yeah. I was still uh, learning the game and getting better every day. I was still, I was still hungry. I was still young. Uh, so to end how it did, that was really mm-hmm. hard for me to come to terms with that. So 10 years ago. And uh, sometimes, yeah. I, you know, I, I still think about it, mm-hmm. you know, today, you know. But you still train. years later. And you, I, still, I still train. Yeah. You know, and I, I joke with her all the time. I'm like, you know, you have you have you seen that uh, that new bare knuckle boxing? I said, yeah, I, um, I got with Chad today and I'm signed up for a fight on such <laughs> and such date. She was like, I'll kill you. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> she but, probably would. <laughs> you know, in my mind, I'm like, I could still do it, you know, mm-hmm. but you really can't because you can't see. <laughs> yeah, I'm just <laughs> thinking you have to learn Braille. physically, my body says I can, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Well, there are other, I mean, you're active. I, I want to get into other things, but you're really active. You work out. Yeah, I spend a lot of time uh, at Reds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a member of the Cajun Roadrunners Club here mm-hmm. in Lafayette. I run a lot of road races. Uh, still, I still train boxing um, every day. Uh, lift weights, run, do all that. So I just really enjoy it. Still stay in shape. Mm-hmm. Um, I say I'm probably in better shape than I was even when I was boxing. So were you bigger then? Like yeah, I was muscles? a little bit. I was I was bigger. I still had you know football muscles from yeah. all the years of lifting weights in college. Because you're still very muscular. I mean, people will have a picture of you, but you're you're lean, muscular. Right, and right. I just I picture a, more of a bigger guy. You know? So over the years, going from football into boxing, boxing is a lot more aerobic sport mm-hmm. than football is. So it takes time for your body to kind of adapt to that. Um, and then so, and then over the years, I've also gradually, when I first started boxing, I was only running like one or two miles a day. And then gradually three or four or five or six, you know, seven or eight, you know, I could rattle off 10 miles, 15 miles, 20 miles now, mm-hmm. like no problem. And then, and then train again in the afternoon with weights or uh, in the boxing gym. It does seem like dancing, it, it, being in the ring. Da- boxing and dancing are basically the same thing. You're, you're dancing. You're just throwing punches at another another person uh, at the same time. Kind of like I, a I marriage. I would say like the best, <laughs> the best dancers are the best boxers. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you look at Muhammad Ali, right? He could, he could dance. He could bounce on his toes for 15 rounds, mm-hmm. right? Sugar Ray Leonard could do the same thing. So, um I like to think I have a little bit of rhythm and uh, can box a little bit too. So I think that's why I was able to be so successful in the sport in such a short time frame. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you have two boys, Major and Maverick, and they're still very young. Do they know that you were a boxer? Yes, they do. Um, So that's always a a debate between those two is, can dad beat up John Cena? (laughs) (laughs) And, and so they, they say that I can't, and I try to tell them I could. And then second of all, John Cena is a, is a fake fighter. He's a wrestler. He's a really big guy. Yeah. But dad could take him. Um, that is so but, funny. Yeah. The so little they're, they're, four-year-old knows about that? Oh, yeah. He's like, where, where are your belts, dad? I was like, well, I had to retire before I got belts, but I have all my uh, posters on the wall in my mm-hmm. workout room at home. And uh, he looks at them and— 
um, you know, I show them some of the videos of me mm-hmm. fighting and the pictures and everything. And so the younger one is a lot more into uh, boxing and just the physicality of it. And he's a big, you know, wrestling fan, mm-hmm. big WWE fan. We just brought him to the Cajun Dome oh, cool. to see the WWE when they came a couple of weeks back. So, yeah, they talk about it all the time. So it was, it's always a constant debate. If they see something on TV, could dad beat him up? You know, <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's, it's, your it's wife's funny. probably like, I'm oh, going to yeah, beat up your dad, you know, you know and then, Don't and then encourage the older this. one major is starting to get to the point where, you know, he could start boxing, you know, mm-hmm. and she's of course totally against that, yeah. but I'm totally for it, you know, and he doesn't necessarily have to compete at boxing, but I think, uh, training in the, the sports yeah. and, and the confidence that it builds, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is perfect for a young kid, yeah. especially those young boys. Like I, I see it now, he's seven, about to turn eight. You know, they always want to wrestle and fight and play. That's a perfect, perfect mm-hmm. sport for him. Even if he doesn't want to compete at it, he can still train and, right. and learn, you know. Right. I'm trying to picture you as a young businessman, you know, businessman by day, boxer, bang, right. bang, by night. Right, yeah, that, that's like two different lives. Yeah, it's, it was pretty funny early on because not just in the fights, but so we spar every day. Not every day, but three days a week. So you go to the gym, you put on headgear, you put on bigger gloves, and you spar, you know, any anywhere from six to 12 rounds. And you may get a black eye and a busted mm-hmm. nose. You got to show some, up. <laughs> some, some bruises, and, and then the next day I'm going to work, right? And I have, I have uh, you know, people in the office kind of looking at me crazy, you know. And then you have, you know, video calls with customers, and you got a big black eye on the call. <laughs> you know, they're trying to figure out, man, yeah, what is Bailey doing? Is he, is he in, like, a fight club at night, or what's <laughs> what's going on exactly, you know? Uh, so oh yeah, gosh. that was that was always you know funny uh-huh. to kind of juggle the two, you know, be a professional during the day, you know, in business, and then a professional at night in yeah. boxing. Well, know? they're both competitive, like you were saying. No so let's talk about American Petrolog. I mean, you're right here by the oil center, and talk about what you guys do and and how you run your company because it's I know it's right. growing right. exponentially. So, so back in uh, American Petrolog started in 2015. And we just we saw there there was a needed niche in the market for quality uh, logistics supply chain services in the chemical industry, um, and we wanted to be the best in class in that market, right? So we started American Petrolog. We all left where we were working at previously and started American Petrolog in 2015, um, and it actually. The nuts and bolts started in my in my kitchen uh, at my house at the time with my wife's uh, borrowed laptop from mm-hmm. her her school teaching position, and 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 my cell phone and and we were off to the races, you know, developing solutions mm-hmm. for our customers in the chemical industry. I mean, you were still super young. Yeah, I was like twenty eight, twenty nine mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, still still young, very you know, competitive, brought, bringing that competitiveness from the athletic field mm-hmm. into the business field. So a lot of people talk about they want to be an entrepreneur and work for themselves and all that, but it is, it's very difficult. There was a lot of sleepless nights. Um, you know, like we started in 2015, you know, by 2018, you know, it had really worn on me and just mm-hmm. handling all the day-to-day tasks. Um, and, not only the day-to-day tasks, but just that looming 
if you're not successful, you have no safety net. Right. There's not a safety net of a big corporation behind mm-hmm. you if we're not successful on this contract or yeah. we propose this contract and we don't win it or maybe we win it, but we can't service it. Um, so just not having a safety net. And and then b- by that time, Major Major was was really young. He was um, he had just been born. Right. And then I have a wife. I have a house. So it's it can it can be really stressful. Um and and your your family has to be on board with it as well because it's it's long hours, yeah. right? And the commitment to that in the company um, is tremendous. Talk about what it's like to transport chemicals. Like what types of chemicals and yeah, it keeps you up at night. I know that, <laughs> especially as a young company. Mm-hmm. You know, if we had one situation where we didn't do uh, the right safety uh, plans mm-hmm. or or the safety Super aspects dangerous. of the project that. Yeah you know, it could, it could be a really big problem. And mm-hmm. early on, our, one of our biggest customers was uh, uh, Department of Defense. And so we had, wow. you know, just, just moving, really? moving uh, fuels and chemicals down the road, things are going to happen, like equipment breaks. And we had a few things early on um, that, you know, it was, it was high level stuff where you have mm-hmm. somebody in uh, Fort Langley in Washington, D.C., you know, calling your cell phone, asking what's going on with this, with this situation. So that's when I, when I talk about, you know, no safety net, that's, mm-hmm. that's really, you know, brings the reality of the situation right. uh, to bear uh, when those type of things happen. So when you started, I mean, we've been up and down in the oil and gas industry, um, Fuel has gone up and down, so things change. I guess your business model has to be flexible. Yeah. Huh? So and when, expenses. When we when we started in 2015, and especially by 2016, the local economy was really it down. Tanked, it yeah. was tanked. And, and gas um, was cheap. You know, people ask, "Hey, you know, what do you do for a living?" I was like, "Well, we just started a new company, American Petrolog. You know, we work in the petrochemical industry. We're you know oil and gas and chemical the chemical uh, companies around." And people just kind of look at you crazy. Like, why would you want to do that? Like right now, especially, right? Um, but, hey, we ended up being successful um, and built built a, a nice company right here in Lafayette. Yeah. You know, even through the downturns, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were still hiring people during COVID. Um, so that can, It's not a bad job to have, though. Like, you, you hire people, though, that own their own Rigs, am I calling it rider tanker? Um, right. So we we partner with other uh, trucking companies, uh, mm-hmm. small to mid sized guys that maybe don't have a sales team, and we kind of act as their sales and marketing team. Mm-hmm. And we have you know relationships that we've built over the years with major companies like Exxon Mobil, uh, Shell, Chevron, um, the big BASF, big chemical companies over the years, and and we just find solutions. Uh, for those those customers and their problems that they have in their supply chain, mm-hmm. and we we match them up to our partners that own their own assets. Yeah. Um, so we we don't own our own assets, but we have partners that do. So and, and we know how the business operates and how it should be done. So maybe there's even some coaching yeah. with those with those vendors. But um, you know we're we're the industry expert, mm-hmm. and that's how we position ourselves. Are you across the U.S.? Yeah, we're across North America, so we can we operate in you know the America, Canada, Mexico, uh, the Caribbean. We've done international projects, um, so we'll we'll go anywhere uh, where our customers need us. Mm-hmm. Have you become an IT 
specialist or do you have someone that does all that? We have someone that does that now. Uh, we work with uh, S1 Technology uh, right now. Um, but early on, of course, we didn't we didn't have a, a partner mm-hmm. in that. Looking so, at the map. <laughs> so, so you know, we, we, we did it ourselves. We did everything ourselves, you know, whether it was our computers, phones, uh, email problems, all that. We, we had to, you know, fix it ourselves and fix it on the run or, or we couldn't operate. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was, it was very important. You know, technical issues got worked yeah. out. Yeah. So we, we miss a day. We miss an hour. You know, that's a problem for mm-hmm. us. Do you ship other things or transport other things besides chemicals, or is this what you specialize? So over the years, we've gotten into uh, food and beverage. Uh, we we uh, we hauled for Anheuser Busch, mm-hmm. uh, Diageo alcohol. We transport whiskey mm-hmm. uh, over the road and uh, tankers. Uh, so we've we've gotten into a lot of different things other than chemicals. Uh, just over the years, uh, being the industry experts, other customers also, you know, come to us to find solutions to their problems. Mm-hmm. So, did you ever see Smokey and the Bandit? I did. You know? <laughs> I did. That was right up there with the Rocky movie. I was thinking that. Up, right? Burt Reynolds and Jerry, yeah. what's his name, uh, Reed? Yeah. Transporting uh, Coors Light, right? Coors Before Light. it was legal Coors to bring Light. it. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I loved that movie. I've no. seen it a hundred times probably. <laughs> you know, the other one I, I used to watch a lot was uh, Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, no. Did you ever see and, that no, one? So I don't it's, think a, so. it's a He's a truck driver. <laughs> And he drives around the country, totally 80s, uh, drives around the country having uh, arm wrestling matches. That's oh, wow. funny. With his, with his kid in the truck. That's funny. And so Over it's a total, total 80s movie, but it's yeah. a great movie. It, it paid the bills for him. Huh? It's oh, yeah. funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. I watched that one with the kids the other night, actually. Yeah. So they love that. Yeah. So, Bailey, you know, when we met, I've, I was first hearing about your company. And I wanted to get your thoughts. You've talked about how stressful it can be to be an entrepreneur, but it's also got to be so rewarding to it build is. this. I mean, your company is, it's big. Right. You've done very well. It must be so rewarding to watch it's this It's very rewarding. At unfold. the end of the day, you know, we we control our own destiny, you know, so you can come in every day and you can decide how hard I'm going to work today is going to dictate how successful we are mm-hmm. in the future, right? And that's, that's the biggest thing is like it really benefits Myself and my team, um, you know, coming in day in and day out. We're not working for some big uh, corporation or big company uh, conglomerate, you know, that all the money goes to a CEO that makes $60 million a year or something along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. So we're basically, you know, we're working, we're working for ourselves. We're working for our families. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's probably the most rewarding part about it. You know, supply chain logistics is probably one of the most capitalistic things you can do right. because you know it's it's you 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 uh eat what you kill mm-hmm. you know and that's that's how we we live day to day what did you study in college did you study business a little bit of everything uh-huh. i was <laughs> so a general was like, studies you know, graduate i was, yeah. I was general studies <laughs> yeah. i was kinesiology mm-hmm. um i was uh I think journalism at one point. I did a little bit of everything. Every time I would run into a, a hard course, mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, what can what can I major in now that I could just not take this course?" Anymore? Like French, you know, or Spanish. French, yeah, yeah. I, I could I never pass French. That's I could never I pass Spanish. So I'm like, well, "Let me go. Studies. Let me go to general studies or kinesiology <laughs> or something like that." And you still learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wasn't I wasn't the the best at school because I 
I never really fit into that box, but I think that's eventually what made me a good entrepreneur mm -hmm. and being able to make it in that world was, you know, I, I wasn't good at school because I didn't like to fit in that little box. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wanted to do things my own way. Right. You know? And now you're getting to do that. And I, I know you're active in your local church, Our Lady of Fatima, and your, your boys, I'm assuming, both go there. But yes, ma'am. It must be fun to have this. You live by your work, so you really have a smaller footprint, but you're doing so much. Right, and I right got in about the middle a five-mile five radius right here. Even yeah. to come do the podcast was like— You could walk I could, here. I could, I could run down, you know, yeah. put my running shoes on and come over. Uh, but, yeah, right there, uh, Bendel Gardens to Jomella is about half mm -hmm. a mile. And then to Fatima is a couple of miles. So everything I do is is right yeah. here, in basically in the oil center area. Mm -hmm. Us uh, too. Campus, yeah. UL campus area. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love it. Yeah. I love it right here in uh, Lafayette. Um, you know, people always ask, you know, you're from Houston. Why why don't you live in Houston? It's like, man, I, I really just love the, the small town feel of Lafayette. But it's like a big city Kind of, but it's also small. Yeah. And then everybody knows each other, mm -hmm. right? Some way, somehow. Like last July when we first moved into Bendale Gardens, I had, there was like three or four people that, hey, I heard a Bobbit moved in here. I know your dad, Larry, you know, from whatever. They mm -hmm. knew him from whether the oil field or they knew him from Reds when he was a racquetball pro over there, or they knew him from UL when he was a football coach or they played football with him at UL or USL back mm -hmm. then. Uh, so it's it's a small world. Um, it's so welcoming. It can right. be, you know. For sure. Yeah. 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 So you think you're going to keep your company here then? From Oh, there's no doubt. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll be here, you know, as long as I'm around for sure. Right. Um, you know, our corporate office right here in Lafayette, Louisiana, and I plan, especially with the backing that we have now when we got uh, bought by Keenan Advantage Group, the largest tank truck carrier in North America uh, out of Canton, Ohio, with their backing, their you know, their funds, I think we can we can grow um, the office here in Lafayette as big as we want. You know, I, as you know, we have 20 something people here now. You know, I would I would like one day to see, you know, we have to move into an, a new office with 100 plus, mm -hmm. you know, 200 plus, whatever that number is. I want to grow it right here in Lafayette. Yeah. You know, you have the university right here. There's a lot of people that need jobs in Lafayette to where they don't have to move to Texas. Mm -hmm. They don't have to move to Atlanta or Dallas, you know, Dallas, Nashville, all these cities that, you know, there's a brain drain going on in Louisiana yeah. right now where you graduate college, you got to leave to find a good job, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it was like, how do, we, how do we change that? How can I change that or help change it, you know, right here in Lafayette with American Petrolog? Yeah. Do your employees have to have a college diploma? No, I mean— I wish somebody would have told me I didn't need a college diploma to, to, to work in in sales in the supply chain and logistics industry and do what I did. I, I didn't necessarily need a, a college degree, and neither do the people that work for us. Um, it, it, it might help them, but that doesn't mean that you have to have one. Right. You know? Right. So as long as you're hungry, um, want to come in and work, and don't mind talking on the phone and, mm -hmm. and doing those types of things, you can— you can work and be as successful as you want. Yeah. Where can people find out more about American Petrolog? You go to AmericanPetrolog.com. Pretty um, simple. Check out our website. Uh, if you're interested in a career, uh, you can email careers at AmericanPetrolog.com. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have all different types of positions open, any, anywhere from uh, operations uh, to sales um, Good. open right now. And um, 
If you would like to send your resume in, please do. Mm -hmm. And we'll take a look and uh, reach out to you accordingly. It's great. You know, Chris Rader started Rader. It used to be Rader Solutions and now Rader, but he started like you did, and it's grown exponentially. But um, such a, I love these local success stories. So. Yeah, and, and, you know, you, how, do, how do we get more success stories right here in Lafayette? Mm -hmm. I think this place for it. People are, yeah. they have a can-do attitude, right. and that's what it takes. Right, so. and right here in the oil center, yep. you know. I know. There's a ton of open uh, business space. You know, people need to be more entrepreneurial right here in Lafayette and and, mm -hmm. and grow the economy. Right. I agree. Well, Jason, you've been writing notes. Do you have any questions? I, I do. I do, definitely. Uh, Bailey, thank you for being here today. Yeah, man. no problem, man. Join it. Mr. Uh, bang Bang. Mr. Bang Mr. Bang. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. <laughs> bang Bang. You know, we have this uh, joke in the office. If you want to get into cybersecurity, you have to watch the movie Hackers about a dozen times. Right. So today I learned if I want to get into trucking, I need to watch Smoking the Bandit about a dozen <laughs> Smoky times. Smoking the Bandit and Over the Top. And Over the Top, and I'm yeah. good to go. Everything you need to, to go. know. Yeah, you'll All learn right. everything you need. Perfect. All right. Yeah. I know what I'm watching tonight. Yeah. <laughs> watch out, world. Right? <laughs> um, going back to boxing, you know, yep. I've, I've known uh, only a few people who were either into boxing or got into boxing. Um, but there seems to be such a, a love for for the sport for people who are in it, and I'm curious, what is it about boxing that 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 draws? It's not just a physical thing. There's something else going yeah. on there that is a draw for people. It's the ultimate form of competition. Mm. So there's not another sport. You know, you have sports where you have a team. You know, football. You yeah. have ten other guys on the field. Basketball. You have four other guys on the court. Soccer. Same thing. Baseball. Right, all these sports, but in boxing, you climb into that ring all alone. It's just you, and there's no timeouts, right? And so for for eight to twelve weeks, you sign you sign in, in the professional ranks. You sign a contract. You get a contract sent to you with the with the another man's name on a on a piece of paper, mm -hmm. and so you know who you're fighting. You know he's training to fight you. And for the next eight to 12 weeks, that's all you can think about. And then so it comes up the, the day before the fight, you have weigh-ins and you see him. You see how in shape he is, yeah. right? You, you know how hard you trained. Did he train just as hard? Well, let's find out tomorrow night. Who's the better man? We're going to find out. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not football where, oh, my teammate dropped the pass or missed a kick. Can't blame anybody you else. You can't blame yeah. anybody else. So we're going to get in the ring and find out at the end of the day who is the best man in this ring, right? Interesting. Who, who is, who's tougher? Who has more skills? Who's willing to suffer a little bit more, right? Yeah. And, and, that, and, that, and that goes to the business world too. You know, it's a, mm -hmm. on being an entrepreneur is the ultimate form of competition. So I was going to transition to going into business. I'd imagine the mental focus that you learn in boxing is what can also help in the business world. For sure. You have to be 100% committed to not just boxing. If, if In boxing, if you're 90% committed, you're going to get hurt. You have to be 100% committed, right? So if you're not all there, if you're not all there mentally, if you're not 100% committed mentally, 100% committed physically, you will get hurt. And in in the business world, it's the same thing. Now, maybe yep. you don't get hurt physically, mm -hmm. but you will you will get hurt <laughs> if you're not 100% focused and committed uh, to to whatever business you're running or, or trying to start. Yeah, you know it's not going to work. 
and you'll suffer the repercussions from that. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so getting into, into business, you said when you started American Petrolog that there was a gap in the market. How did you determine or find that there was that gap and that this would be a good one for you to get into? Well, I, I had been involved in the logistics supply chain uh, since 2010. So, so at that point, so you saw. I had five years, five years in it, and and myself and 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 uh, uh, Jeff Colonna, uh, the president of American Petrolog and one of the founders, he he saw it as well. We all saw that there could be if we if we set out on our own and started a new company. We could we could service the industry a lot better than what we saw out there. Okay, right. So um, that's that's what we we did. We went out there and we we're the best at it. Gotcha. And we're still the best. Yeah, that's yeah. Fan, that's fantastic. No, yeah. we were talking ahead of time, and and the amount of growth that you guys have had has been yeah incredible. And it, you know, right out the gate, you know, when when I was talking about earlier, where people were kind of looking at you sideways whenever we were starting a, a company called American Petrolog yeah. in the middle of one of the worst you know oil and gas downturns <laughs> yeah. in the state, in yeah. the country, in the world. Um, you know, I kind of that was like a chip on my shoulder. It was like, well, I'll show y'all. Got I, I'm going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing in boxing because people looked at me crazy when I did that too. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, well, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll show y'all and, and I'll go out and be successful at it. And I was in both cases, you know, so I always, I still kind of have that chip on my shoulder uh, every, every single day. Got you. I'll, I'll make I'll make stuff up to put a chip on my shoulder, <laughs> you know, just so I'm a little bit hungrier day yeah. in and day out. Yeah, you know when I'm out there competing in business or in or in athletics, that that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, always going for that that win. What kind of advice would you have for young entrepreneurs, for maybe college students listening, or somebody who's now in town? They have a couple ideas, they want to yeah. run their own business. What would you advise them? I would I would advise them just block out for the next say five years to start your company. You're going to have to work harder than you ever worked before in your life. And you're going to have to make that commitment mentally before you get started. If you don't, you won't make it mm-hmm. because you're going to you're going to face tests early on. Even later on, you're going to face tests every day. Things are going to test you and, and you have to be able to have the heart and determination to work through that. Right. And you're going to have to work hard every single day. And it's going to be 24 seven. You know, you don't get to clock out mm-hmm. at five o'clock mm-hmm. like you do yeah. if you're working for Walmart. Yeah. Or whatever job you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you know, you're going to have to be a lion and you're going to have to be out there hunting. Gotcha. 24-7. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to be out there trying to drum up business or dealing with problems 24-7. That's just what it is. You know, and if, if you, in your mind, you think you can do that, go for it. You know, but don't, don't go in there half-stepping or else you won't, yep. you won't be successful. Yep. No, that makes sense. Well, I, I, Chris Rader did it. It was just him by himself for five years. Before. Yeah. I, so, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You, you have to be mentally prepared to take that burden on. My husband and I have always talked about that. What would it be like to just have a job where you really could go home and not think about it until the next day? Like, I don't think either one of us could do it either. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know what it is. I, well, it's I, a different mindset. Huh? So, I mean, I was a roadie for 10 years, so there was no— Going home, right. I mean, you right. work until midnight, and then you sleep for a few hours on a bus, you get back up, do it again. Right. So I did it. There's there's definite benefits to that, and your time off is amazing because you have mm-hmm. this big wad of cash and nothing mm-hmm. to do. And But 
it, that gets old, it got old for me after 10 years. And I would imagine, though, if you're 10 years doing it in a business, hopefully yeah. you have a group of people around you yeah. to take some yeah. of that burden for you. I, I, remember, I remember early on, it was the summer of 2016, and it was, it was July. It was especially slow in July. A lot of people are on vacation. Customers are on vacation. Um, and uh, Jeff emailed me. Uh, and and a gentleman uh, Cedric Brown that was working in sales at the time because we were starting to grow. We hired Cedric in sales, and he says, "Hey guys, we we didn't he, we didn't meet our uh, our budget in July, so we basically didn't meet our operating expense." Yeah. Mm. And so, man, that kind of just hit me in the gut, you know. And we had, I mean, we're, we had planned out vacations a couple years in advance. So the next week, I was supposed to go to Florida with my wife and, and my newly born son. And I was like, hey, babe, like, I can't go. Like, we're not meeting our operating expense. I just can't do it. You know, so that's when I say people that want to get involved in being an entrepreneur, starting their own business, you may not have to go on that vacation, you know, to make things work. And I missed two vacations that summer, and I didn't ultimately take a vacation. I didn't take a day off until it was like 2019, I think. You know, so it was like four years there, um, just working straight through. You know, maybe that's not the healthy, healthiest thing to do, uh, but that's what it took. Yeah. And you would have been miserable if you tried to go on vacation. Right. There'd I mean, no you, way you that, that wouldn't you, be a vacation. You, no. Yeah. Right. I mean, your phone's ringing the whole time and you're dealing with problems yeah. because there's no, like I said, there's no safety net. Yeah. So it's like, mm-hmm. how am I going to go on vacation when there is no, to, there's no, there's hey, no money coming in? Yeah. Hey, handle all these emails while I'm out and all these <laughs> right. phone calls I'll while I'm out. The there's beach. nobody. Yeah. <laughs> To do yeah. that. So you have you have to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what now now in 2023 I can go on vacation, but that's because I sacrificed early on in 2016, 17, 18, you know, 19. Yeah. And and we fired a lot of uh, great people that work in the office now, uh really smart people. So, you know, you gotta start and it was hard to start delegating mm-hmm. things yes. to, to other people. I'm sure. And and now, you know, with two kids are getting older. Uh, you know, I like to go on vacation and and um, coach sports and do things with them. So I can I can do a little bit of that now. Mm-hmm. Um, I I still don't do a lot or maybe enough, but mm-hmm. early on you're gonna have to sacrifice. That that makes a lot of sense. No, that and that's great advice. Like prepare yourself for that five years. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you just got to block it out and just mentally prepare that it's gonna be hard. Yep. Uh, final question: What do you look for in a new hire? What kind of attributes in a person? I, I look for determination. Okay. Um, you really, you, you have to be hungry and, and you got to be personable. You have to, you know, you can't be real shy. You have to be able to pick the phone up. Maybe you're going to make a hundred cold calls in a day, whether it's in sales or whether it's on the operational side, calling vendors and mm-hmm. dealing with problems and really just be Johnny on the spot with whatever comes up, you know, in a day-to-day in, in our world. Got you. So I would say determination yeah. first and foremost, um, and, and the ability to, to open up and, you know, make phone calls, which young people nowadays, that's not <laughs> really think. something that they're used to doing. Right? You can't text and get a sale out of that. No, you're not, you're not going to get any sales, text messaging anybody. Um, you know, we, Coming through COVID, things did change a little bit where you could you could reach out to uh, new new sales contacts through 
you know, LinkedIn or social media. A lot of people weren't in the office anymore. So yeah. things did change a little bit. You're having more video calls, so you don't have to be out on the road meeting people, you know, in Houston or Dallas or whatever city you need to fly to to meet with them. People do Teams calls now, but still at the end of the day, if you're new into the industry, nobody knows your name. Yep. You're going to have to pick that phone up and start making calls and dialing, mm -hmm. you know, dialing for dollars is like we call it. So that, that makes sense. You know, we even joke in the office sometimes we have a problem with a, you know, some client's computer and we just can't figure this out. I, I don't even know what the problem is. Well, have we called them back yet? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Have we actually talked to a yeah. person about this as right. opposed to just look at the email and, and right. try to determine what's going on? Right. Yeah. The art of the phone call. Yeah, it, you, it's. You got to pick it up. You got to dial. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could go on forever and ever, Jan, yeah. but I think that's that's yeah. pretty good right there. So, Bailey, yeah. thank you again for, for yeah, being this was here awesome. and, and let me ask some questions. And yeah, yeah Jan, cool. thank you. And I just yeah. have, thank you, Jason. I just have one last question. We, you talked about the best man, you know, in the boxing match, but are there any women boxers? You know, I don't know the sport very well. There is, and it's starting to get a lot more popular. Um, uh, Dana White in the UFC opened up the women's division in the sport of MMA. MMA and boxing are similar, mm -hmm. not exactly the same, but very similar. And he opened up uh, Ronda Rousey was really popular a couple years back. So she was a big star and they had Holly Holm and some other ones. And I think people in boxing took notice of that and, you know, opened up the women's division in boxing. So you're starting to see some pretty big fights. Uh, Katie Taylor from... Ireland is a big star. She was a gold medalist in the Olympics recently. Oh. And so she is selling out soccer stadiums in Europe right really? now as a woman. Wow. Um, they, she sold out the Madison Square Garden uh -huh. recently in New York for a match. How does she look? Has she taken a beating to her face? No, I mean, she's, you know, nice looking lady. Uh -huh. um, so um, I think, the you know, the women's boxing is definitely, it's growing. It's yeah. a growing sport. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, people are very interested in it. So we'll, mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. You just need stars. Just like on the men's side, Muhammad Ali and all, yeah. you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Canelo Alvarez, all these big guys. You need, you need stars to uh, really grow the sport. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Bailey Bobbitt, thank you for taking the time today. Um, it's a beautiful day. It's only about 90-something degrees. <laughs> it feels like yeah. falls in the air. You know? yeah. <laughs> thank you for taking time today. Thank you, Jan. Appreciate Jason, it. Jason, thank you for taping this and making us sound so professional, and to Raider for making our studio available. I want to thank you all for listening also. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. And you can also go to discoverlafayette.net where we have over 340 interviews and we just have a treasure trove of interesting people that have been very successful here and, you know, entrepreneurs like Bailey, um, musicians, artists, just any, any um, industry you can think of. It's a great treasure trove to go through. Thank you for listening today. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. 